0: house come to order if
1: members can take their seats.
0: This budget is a huge job maker and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job.
1: Hungry children can't learn and it's our responsibility to try to help.
0: Equality and opportunity.
1: I believe most people are here because they want to do some good.
0: It's Capital Ideas, the podcast where members of the majority Democrats at the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and discuss ideas. They're good ideas, mostly to increase community safety and housing supplies, to improve every kind of health care, to keep our education systems on the cutting edge, and to take on the crucial challenges presented by climate change. Our guests talk about all these ideas and more, and today we'll hear from Representative Julio Cortez of Washington's 38th Legislative District. This is Julio's first session in the House, but he came here with plenty of ideas, and we'll hear about how he's turning them into reality in just a few minutes. One more thing before we begin. There are 147 legislators in Olympia when you count the House and Senate. I don't know the personal history of every single member of the legislature, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Julio is the only one who attended college on a soccer scholarship. We talked on Thursday, February 16th, 2023, and here's what we said. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Julio Cortez from the 38th Legislative District. You know, you're the second person from the 38th District that I've talked to in the last 24 hours, so (laughs) I think we've got a little pattern going here. You're a new lawmaker, correct? uh, obviously never been on Capital Ideas, and I'm sure that most people listening to this, nothing personal, but they don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. Let me get you to talk a little bit about who you are, introduce yourself, and talk a little bit about your life and your priorities here.
1: I appreciate you giving me some time to, to be here and introduce myself to the folks. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm um, Julio Cortez Rep in the 38th Legislative District. And, you know, I, I'm an immigrant. I I, grew, I was born in Mexico City in a, a small park called Ecatepec. Um, and when I was about five years old, I suddenly woke up and didn't know what anybody around me was saying. You know, my, my parents immigrated uh, to the U.S. I was five years old and uh, I was asleep when we were en route. I grew up in Wapato, Washington, which is in the Yakima Valley. It's a, a small immigrant farm-working community. My parents were agricultural workers. We we picked apples and pears and peaches and cherries, and that's kind of how I grew up. You know, I grew up in the summers. Well, well when I wasn't old enough to stay for summer school, uh, and my parents were out in the fields, my sister and myself would go, and we pretty much just hang out by the car. Throw, I would throw apples at her, she would throw apples at me, and, and that's kind of how a few summers went. Once I got a little bit older, I would get out there and, and pick some food just to get more money for the fam. But, you know, thankfully I have had a very and have a very strong family unit. They motivated me a lot to do better, uh, and so I ended up going to Walla Walla Community College on a soccer scholarship. It um, was super fun. I still play soccer, you know, it keeps, keeps the brain juices flowing, And after two years at Walla Walla, I I transferred over to Western Washington University. I graduated in 2009 with a journalism and public relations degree. And I don't know if you remember 2009, but it wasn't the best time to go out and find a a job in any sector.
0: I do remember 2009. It was tough,
1: man. But it it kind of pushed me over to the nonprofit sector. And so I started working with at-risk and homeless youth and families. Um, really fell in love with the job. I did direct service for about three years. So I had clients like 30 to 35 clients at any one time under the age of 18 that were uh, youth that were either already experiencing homelessness or at risk of becoming homeless because of family dynamics. So, you know, one of our bigger priorities was to make sure that uh, we could support those youth in getting reconnected with family and addressing whatever issues those families had so they could become a stronger family unit. And anything else from getting them an ID, finding a job, mental health support, drug and alcohol support, whatever the youth needed, that's what the advocates like myself did. And I know yeah. that you
0: stayed at, a, at an organization called The Cocoon for almost a decade, Yeah, which is Cocoon very House. significant.
1: Yeah, you know, um, yeah, and it, it was truly eye-opening. You know, the the it's one of those jobs where it's very rewarding because you're helping youth to get back on their feet, but at the same time, you know, I had clients who, I worked with who all of a sudden I didn't hear back from at all. You know, no text messages, no phone calls, no emails back after working with them for a few months. And you worry, right? Where are they? What You know, are they alive or what, what's happening to them? So it's a very difficult job, but I, I, I did direct search for three years and then was their PR manager for, for the rest.
0: Your interest in youth kind of shows in one regard here in the legislature, which is you're the vice chair of the Human Services Youth and Early Learning Committee. I guess that's not an accident. And Mm -hmm. I know that you have uh, sponsored legislation that has to do with at-risk kids. Mm How is that legislation doing, and and really, what is it?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the legislation I'm pushing forward is, I think, a way for me to cover up a crack that I saw a lot of the youth that I worked with fall through. Um, And so the the, the bill that I'm pushing forward is, um, you know, working to make sure that youth have the ability to refer themselves to an emergency shelter if we cannot get parental permission. So currently, if a youth goes to an emergency shelter, the staff there have about 72 hours to get parental permission or legal guardian permission for that youth to be able to stay at that shelter. If they cannot get that parental permission, then legally the, the shelter can't hold the youth there. And so sometimes we have to try and refer them to another uh, shelter or if the circumstances is, is you know, there's abuse or, or any sort of uh, danger involved, then we have to work with the proper departments to support. But a lot of times, too, there's there's family dynamics that are very uh, negative. And so sometimes the parent won't allow the youth to stay at that shelter but also won't let him return home. And so the youth knowing that they can't stay at the house and knowing that they aren't going to get permission to to stay at the shelter, then they go out into the street, right? And there they meet this very nice person that says they're going to help them, but they end up, you know, abusing them uh, or exploiting them in in some horrible way. And it happens more than people think, you know. But again, it's one of those things where when people think about homeless folks, you know, they're not thinking about the the youth. They're thinking about homeless adults that, that, you know, are out on the streets that they see. They could be walking by a homeless youth, but they don't know that that youth is homeless. You know, they dress just like a normal youth. Right. And so they don't see them as homeless because they just look like any other kid walking down the street. What this bill would do is it would allow for youth to self refer to shelters if there is no legal guardian support that, that could help them in that manner. So the bill is HB 1406, it's called the Youth Access to Shelter Bill.
0: I don't want to drop this issue entirely, but I do want to talk about another bill that you've got, which is House Bill 1326, which might seem like kind of a minor bill until you really read it and realize that this could speed up housing, particularly the kind of affordable housing that is required to have any kind of a dent on the homelessness crisis. Mm -hmm.
1: That, that was going pretty strong as well. And, you know, it, it is kind of a, a small chip, right, in the grand scheme of things. But the the way I'm trying to, to do my job here as a legislator is uh, I'm trying to view things through a, a lens that is very focused on the root causes of homelessness. Now, the root cause of homelessness are many, they're very complex, and they affect different groups of populations in a different way. So, I believe that by passing these bills, who some of them may be big, some of them may be medium, some of them may be small, but my hope is that all the bills that I pass or all the bills that I support chip away at the root causes of homelessness, right? Because there's a lot of great work being done at the ground level to get folks off the streets, and I will continue to support that. But what I want to do is prevent folks from entering into homelessness in the first place because I believe that's the only way that we're going to see an actual change, an actual dent into the great problem, which is homelessness in our community. So that lens I, I try to use. And so this bill, what it does is it gives municipalities the option to waive utility connection fees, that, which could go, you know, 500000 750000 to a million dollars at times, and remove that barrier for nonprofits working to build affordable housing, transitional housing, or emergency shelters for, for folks that need it.
0: One of the things I've noticed around here after a few years is that there are, there are not that many Grand Slam home runs that get hit, but there are a whole lot of singles, and that's how things get accomplished, yeah. to, to make a baseball metaphor. And I apologize if you're mm-hmm. not a baseball fan, but <laughs> this seems like a good, good solid hit.
1: Yeah, progressive change, progressive success, you know, that, that's kind of what I'm trying to go for, just, just chipping away at those root causes of homelessness. Like I said, they're complex, there's a lot of them, but if we all start chipping away, we can make a bigger dent.
0: One of the committees that you sit on down here in the legislature is, and this is a mouthful, the Innovation, Community, and Economic Development and Veterans Committee. Your background here in western Washington, working up in Everett, ties in pretty closely to one or two of those big words that are in there. What's the nexus there between your your non-legislative life and this legislative life that you are now living.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it is a mouthful for sure. I think that might be the longest named committee, uh, but I'm excited to be part of that one. And uh, in my role at the city is one of the roles that I, that I have, one of my hats is, is I manage our tourism program and, I've seen how successful a tourism program can be for a city when, when it's properly invested. And one of the, the um, issues that we have uh, on the Committee uh, of Innovation, Community, and Economic Development and Veterans is um, upping the budget for our Washington State tourism programs. I came in and I found out that the statewide budget was $3 million, which, which you know to be 100% honest, it was a little bit of a shock to me because as a state, we need to make sure that we invest a lot more in bringing folks to our state, so we can generate revenue. Right, uh, uh, tourism is is a great revenue generator. I, I know because I, I manage the the Everett Tourism Program, and it brings outside tax dollars to my city. And I wanted to bring outside tax dollars to our state by upping the the budget from three million to I think. 26 million, we're going to be able to better invest in marketing programs that are going to target folks outside of our state to come to our state. And, you know, Washington State is beautifully poised, I think, to attract a variety of different tourists because we have our beautiful Puget Sound area right next to the water. We have our mountains with snow. And then we have our really beautiful and more deserty type communities like the Yakima Valley, uh, which has, you know, great wine, sodas, walla walla. We have a variety of tourism attractions that we could definitely market, but we need the dollars to make sure that we market them correctly. And another really cool thing about that is that we can track success, right? We can track every dollar and we can track how much of a, a return on investment we get into that dollar. I, we, we do it at the city of Ever, and I'm excited for Washington to be able to do that as well.
0: Julio, it pains me to say this, but we've only got a couple of minutes left because I know you've got an appointment that is hanging right over your head. Always. I wish that we had 30 minutes to talk here, and so what I have to do is just say we'll need to have a return engagement if that's all right with you. I would love it. In the meantime, we have been speaking with Representative Julio Cortez from District 38. That's up in beautiful Snohomish County in Washington State. Thank you for coming by Capital Ideas, even if it was for too short of a time.
1: Thank you for having me. Looking forward to coming back.
0: And that is Capital Ideas for today. We've been talking with Representative Julio Cortez. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was too short, and we're going to do a longer one. In the meantime, if you haven't subscribed to Capital Ideas, it's pretty easy. Just head for your favorite podcast platform or visit the House Democratic Caucus website at housedemocrats.wa.gov and poke that media button up at the top of the page. You'll never miss another Capital Ideas again, which is good because this is your state government and what goes on here matters. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for listening.